This is Product of Newfoundland, a podcast about the strange truths and tall tales of a foggy island, Newfoundland, Canada. I'm Robert, and today I'm interested in a horrific hailstorm that flattened a small Newfoundland town nearly a century ago. Imagine it. It's a beautiful summer day on the white sandy beaches of Lumsden on Newfoundland's northeast coast. You can hear the gentle surf and the sound of children playing. Then, as if out of nowhere, the sky turns black and the lightning seems to tear the clouds apart, unleashing an impossible torrent of ice. There's nowhere to go. There's no escape. The storm is all around you. It's destroying everything you own and threatening everyone you love. Nearly a century ago, the people of Lumsden didn't have to imagine it. They lived it. I don't know if you've been to Lumsden, but it's definitely worth the trip. It's a beautiful seaside town with wide, white sandy beaches. They're excellent for walking. It's a great place to spend some summer hours, and I imagine it's been that, like that for as long as people have been coming to the area. And on June 26, 1930, the weather called for a trip to the beach. It seemed like a perfect early summer day. The sun was shining as a gentle breeze moved across the beach. It was a welcome change from the cool, wet, capelin weather and fog of late spring that plagued the northeast coast. Even those who couldn't go to the beach seemed to be taking advantage of the good weather. Some were tending to their newly sown vegetable gardens, children were playing in the grass, and the nearby fishing grounds were alive with small boats. It was the kind of summer day that's all too rare in Newfoundland, and is especially welcome in June. It was too good to pass up, and as the people of Lumsden knew, too good to last. What they didn't know was just how quickly and tragically it was about to change. At about 3 p.m., without any warning, the beautiful day stopped. Before anyone understood what was happening, a powerful storm was bearing down on the town. In mere seconds, it seemed, the sky turned to a horrible churning black. Lightning ripped overhead, and the ground seemed to tremble under ear-splitting thunder. Mothers scooped up their children and began running, realizing they would never make it to their houses they took shelter in whatever building was close by. Those in boats did their best to head for shore. They were afraid of the lightning, of course. They knew an open boat was one of the last places they'd want to be in an electrical storm. But as it turns out, the lightning wasn't going to be their biggest concern. It was the hail. Carried on hurricane-forced winds, the storm walloped the town with ice. It was unimaginable, unbelievable hail. Some of it seemed the size of snowballs, more of it even bigger, maybe weighing as much as an impossible 10 pounds. Regardless of the size, the powerful hail smashed through the windows, destroyed fishing premises, broke roofs, and overturned as many as 30 boats. It was pandemonium. Fortunately, the chaos was short-lived. After a few minutes, the wind and ice subsided, the sky cleared and the sunshine returned. The scene greeting the 400 citizens of the town was vastly different than the one they'd left behind minutes before. Their home was in ruin. Worse than that, not everyone had survived the storm. In the height of the disaster, ten men were thrown into the water. With the help of bystanders, seven were rescued. Three weren't so lucky. Baxter Goodyear, Roland Cuff, and Samuel Goodyear, who were trying to moor their boat between Lumsden South and Southern Island, died. Those who saw the tragedy unfold recalled how the men had clung to their vessel as long as they could before succumbing to the barrage of ice. They fell into the ocean and drowned. Their bodies were recovered a short time later. 
When the people of Lumsden took stock, they realized virtually every building in the town had sustained some sort of damage. Roofs were gone, and every north-facing window in the town had been broken. The town was ill-equipped to deal with so much destruction. The following week, the colonial government arranged aid for the community, and a ship carrying the necessary gear for repairs was deployed. While Lumsden was particularly hard hit, it wasn't the only community to bear the brunt of the June 26 storm. Severe weather plagued the entire east coast of the island. But Lumsden, well, Lumsden was the only one that reported 10-pound hail. Let's talk about that for a minute. When I first heard about the Lumsden storm and the accounts of a 10-pound piece of hail, I dismissed it as a gross exaggeration. A piece of hail anywhere near 10 pounds would be a solid contender for the largest piece of hail ever recorded, not just in Newfoundland, in the world. And I'm thinking, amid the destruction, weighing the ice probably wasn't a priority. 10 pounds was likely an estimate, and possibly a bad one. Only days later, competing reports described the hail as small snowballs, decidedly not 10 pounds. I hate telling people that they're wrong, especially when I wasn't there to witness something myself. So over on the blog, productofnewfoundland.ca, I engage in a bit of speculative fiction as to how maybe 10-pound ice could wallop a Newfoundland town in June. Check it out if you're curious. But back to the story. Later the same day, storms hit the Avalon Peninsula. Between 6.30 and 8.30, according to reports in the Bay Roberts Guardian, two electrical storms hit that town. During the storms, Mrs. Esau Kelly of Coley's Point was struck by lightning in her home. Her table was overturned and she required medical assistance. Also in Coley's Point, a boy, while sitting on the doorstep of his home, had one of his fingers struck by lightning and injured. Lightning struck a home in Bay Roberts East, causing considerable damage. According to the Guardian, the lightning passed underneath the corner of a stable and shot about 18 feet to the corner of the house, entered the front room, and tore away part of the ceiling and clapboard, damaging the contents of the house. In St. John's, the Daily News reported that a short-lived electrical storm of great intensity took one life and did various damage to the city. At about 8.30, a gentleman named James Clark rushed to the telephone to call his wife. He wanted to remind her not to use the device during the storm. In the process, he was struck by lightning and killed. His sister, who was standing near him at the time, was badly burned. Across the city, phone lines were knocked out, transformers were blown, and at least one house was hit by lightning. Just outside the city in Pooch Cove, one man was killed when he was struck by lightning. He had been standing in his doorway. According to those present, he had opened the door to see whether the storm had passed, and it hadn't. Another gentleman in the settlement was badly burned by lightning in his home. Not far from Pooch Cove, in Outer Cove, the storm led to a landslide that buried the boat launch under tons of debris. As terrible as these storms were, when the news media off the island picked up the story, it appeared even worse. According to the Newfoundland Weekly, which was published in Boston, a story filed with the Associated Press said that almost a dozen persons were killed, 30 fishing vessels were lost, and thousands of dollars of damage was done. These reports were picked up by news outlets and caused great concern among Newfoundlanders no longer living on the island. The Weekly began fielding calls from concerned Newfoundlanders. The paper, believing the stories exaggerated, contacted the colonial government for clarification. The following is the government's statement. Electrical storm on Thursday evening killed George Diamond living at Shoe Cove, one mile east of Pooch Cove. Two other men in Pooch Cove burned, but not seriously. James Clark, 
age 37, Southside, St. John's, killed. A house near the crossroads, St. John's, struck and damaged, but no person injured. Telephones in the vicinity of St. John's put out of order, but everything readjusted on Friday evening. Lumsden, north and south, in the district of Bonavista, visited by thunder and lightning and hailstorm on Thursday evening. Very large hailstorms, some estimated at 10 pounds, destroyed roofs and window glass of all dwellings, upsetting 30 boats with loss of three men on board. The victims are Baxter Goodyear, married with three children, Roland Cuff, married with five children, and Samuel Goodyear, unmarried. The government is sending forward supplies to meet needs in Lumsden. Thankfully, the official tally was short of the dozen deaths reported in the Associated Press article. But the account was horrific nonetheless. Damage was widespread and costly to repair. And unfortunately, the storms of 1930 didn't end in June. The island experienced deadly thunder and lightning events throughout the summer. Just about a month later, on July 25, 1930, the Harbor Grace Standard reproduced a message to the Marine and Fisheries Department from the operator at St. Brendan's in Bonavista Bay. It read, a sad accident occurred at 5.30 yesterday evening during thunder and lightning storm which raged from midnight. James Bynes, age 79, and William Corbett, age 17, were instantly killed in their homes by lightning. Woman suffered no injury and very little damage done to house. I don't know if I fully understand the timeline there. A sad event at 5.30 and a storm that raged from midnight? Regardless, there's no quibbling about the tragedy. It was awful. Coverage of storms continued throughout the summer. The Harbor Grace Standard reported in August that we have experienced more electrical storms recently than for some years. In fact, some of our older people say they cannot remember having so many storms within such a space of time. It was a terrible summer, evidently. Thunder and lightning storms continue to make the news from time to time in Newfoundland, especially when someone's quick enough with their camera. If you check out the blog, you can see a capture of lightning striking near Eastport Beach in the summer of 2022. And as scary as that must have been, I can't imagine the next level shock and terror experienced at Lumsden in 1930. Fortunately, that kind of event seems to be a rarity in Newfoundland, and that's a track record I'd be quite happy to have the island maintain. And that's the story of the terrible Lumsden storm of 1930. Check out the blog, productofnewfoundland.ca, for pictures, sources, and more info. That's also the end of Season 1 of the podcast. Join me again in the fall for more Newfoundland strange truths and tall tales. In the meantime, feel free to check me out on Instagram at productofnewfoundland, spelled N-F-L-D. I'm always posting pics of my rambling around the island. I'll see you again in the fall for Season 2. There's lots more tall tales and strange truths to explore. But until then, enjoy your summer. Enjoy your summer.